Hello, all. Welcome to the Ex Millennial Man Podcast, a podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is, I don't want to give it all away right yet, Ty, so I won't say anything witty, the greatest other host on the other side of the Mississippi River, and that's Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I'm good. I'm glad we're not going to get as heavy as we did last week. It was a good podcast, too, yeah. but it was, uh, it was very heavy and emotionally draining. Yeah, and I got a lot of response, most of it good. I, the, the biggest complaint is it was not Nina, Sim- or it was Nina Simone, I think we said, Ella Fitzgerald or something that did, uh, to be young, okay. gifted in black. It actually comes from playwright Lorraine Hansberry from the 1960s. She wrote Raising the Sun. That's where it really comes from. So I do want to say, okay. I did want to correct yeah, myself, no. but. I've been yeah, for sure. holding this one for a while, and this is a good time to do it because it will help me cross-promote another podcast I was on. But, Ty? Oh, wonderful. Nobody knows where the term G.I. Joe originally came from. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so much G.I. Joe talk in my life. I'm a 40-year-old man, and my older brother's talking about G.I. Oh, Joe. Oh, like, but yeah. this is, this is going to be so worth it. It's uh, Okay. I did uh, another podcast, Joe on Joe, which is another guy. I think I'm like a month older than the host, Joe Slepsky. So we're like contemporaries. And he just talks about G.I. Joe. He just dropped this a couple days before we drop ours. Uh, He and I did one where we talked about how the G.I. Joe cartoon and comics actually helped inform us of what it meant to have a good romantic relationship. So if you really want your mind's blown. I haven't listened to it yet, but I have it downloaded ready to listen to. Oh, it's it is it it is weirdly like grown up. It I don't know (laughs) how the hell that happened. But anyways, so I decided as kind of a a way to help promote Joe on Joe and then do finally get this out of the way so you're not waiting. I'm going to tell you this story and end it with just some weird, just, I mean, you're going to wonder why anybody, much less a nearly 50-year-old older brother of yours, is still buying G.I. Joe toys. But, okay, so, they don't really know where the term came from. Back in World War I, there were U.S. infantrymen had helmets that were stamped with the letters G and I. What does that mean? It stood for galvanized iron. So okay. that's what the helmets were made out of. And as time went on, they decided they started to call the soldiers because of the GI on their helmets. They started to call them GIs. And then around mm-hmm. World War II, there's a cartoonist, Dave Berger. He did a comic strip called G.I. Joe, and it was about U.S. military people during the war. And that's Yeah, well, and like Joe's a very a common man's name, I, I imagine. Yeah. So that's why they gave it that. And that's literally where it came from. The GI has come to represent government issue is what i've always heard or general issue okay. but it really okay. was the the pure origin of it is galvanized iron or at least that's what history tells me yeah so uh, i like the sound of that so yeah so in the 1960s a gentleman by the name of stan uh, stan weston he noticed that barbie was a really big deal and he was thinking they should make some kind of doll for boys but the people he was working with is like no boy's gonna play with a doll so he's like okay we'll call it action figures so mm-hmm. stan winston or stan weston he is the guy that invented the term action figure and he made this army figure called gi joe and it was just a very generic army figure but like barbie it had this articulation its arms can move and for like different copyright reasons in order to protect his particular toy he put a little scar on the left hand left part of the cheek of the figure Mm. our father i think this was 1964 would have probably at one time been sitting there watching 
Oh God! Do you ever remember they used to have an old show called Home Run Derby? Oh yeah, I used to watch that when I was a kid on reruns. I was gonna say Howdy Doody. Home Run okay. Derby is much better. So during the course of it, our... I watched the heck out of Home Run Derby. Man, I loved that show. Right, yeah. So during, <laughs> let's say during a, a round of Home Run Derby, he would have probably listened to this commercial or seen this commercial. Terrific equipment to have a battle with. When you get G.I. Joe and the authentic G.I. Joe equipment, you'll have the greatest realism, the greatest fun you ever had in playing soldier. Box after box of authentic uniforms and equipment so you can change your G.I. Joe soldier into a camouflage marine ready for battle. A Navy frogman with complete scuba suit and inflatable life raft. An Air Force pilot with high-altitude helmet and air vest. Get G.I. Joe and get G.I. Joe equipment so you can set up exciting battle action whenever you want. Remember, only G.I. Joe is G.I. Joe. Makes you want to run out and get it, huh? So my son is in um, special chorus at, at school and they have a Veterans Day assembly every year. I believe that's the Army song that they are yes. using the tune to. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our father was in the Navy. I, I like the whole idea of a Frogger suit for a <laughs> for an action figure. Well, the original was you had the one figure, then you could buy all these different uh, outfits yeah. for it. And then eventually they made an Army one, a Marine one, a Navy one, and an Air Force one. Uh, the Air Force One was named Ace, which I'll get to later on in here. But those of you that know, know what I'm going to get to. So before I go on, so Stan Weston, he went to this little Rhode Island company called Hasbro that made like, I think, Monopoly or something like that. And they were negotiated with them and they said, look, we can either. And again, this is mid 1960s. OK, they go, we could either give you one hundred thousand dollars and we'll buy the idea from you or we'll give you a certain amount of money and then you get to keep. I think it was like. 2% of all sales from here to eternity. Your family, oh. everybody gets to keep it. He took the 100 grand. Oh, <laughs> think of how much money. Oh, I they mean. said it would have been like a couple hundred million dollars. It's it's like Magic Johnson signing with Converse over Nike. And I'm yeah. sure you read the stories about how much money <laughs> he left on the table. And Magic Johnson, the only person I know who I, I don't know if he's cured from AIDS, but he's got no, AIDS yeah, that, he's got an HIV. He has HIV. He, he has, yes, yeah, yeah, he has HIV. He's got a ton of money, and he left a lot on the table. So this gentleman left probably ten times what Magic Johnson left. Oh yeah. Table. Now to be fair, uh, Stan he passed away a few years ago, and he was an old man and stuff like that. He also God, I think he invented the Thundercats. He did. He invented some other big line later in life, but he never regretted it. He actually, he okay. never was bitter about it. He was never, he's like, look, that's what I did. Oh, $100,000 in 1964 <laughs> is a lot of money. Still, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He still probably did pretty good. Now, they did pretty much, I want to say once Hasbro got it and the line was doing pretty well, they gave them names. They, I mean, they were, the line is called G.I. Joe, but like I said, the pilot was Ace, the sailor was Skip, Rocky was the army guy, and they ended up, they even made an African-American figure in 1965. It literally was just the regular G.I. Joe, but they painted his face brown oh boy <laughs> that's problematic i think this is really important though barbie's not offering african-american dolls at this time so okay. these young boys in the 1960s you could go out there especially if you're an african-american you could see yourself in that toy so 
Yeah, I do. And I mean, look, I'm obviously going to sing a lot of praise for G.I. Joe, but being ahead of like gender and race politics for a toy line, they were always about one step ahead of everyone else. That's good. Which, yeah, I just, I wish they'd just yes, made another guy yes, that was, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It, it, it is, it is unfortunate that the first uh, African American G.I. Joe is a white dude in, in blackface, but uh, yeah, it's essentially, um, that comedian who did that in the the King of Comedy movie yeah. that he did, yeah. Jerry Lewis, right? Which right. is people don't watch that. No, no, no. Side no. tangent, but that movie mm-hmm. is first of all, it's not good. Second of all, it is highly problematic. No. Now, GI Joe is also really big in in uh, Britain, in or in, yeah, not Europe, but in Britain. But they weren't. I mean, GI Joe is a very American military thing, so they just rebranded it as Adventure Team. Now, uh, are the Soldiers called something different in Britain? No, no, they were, okay. I, they go, it was, uh, I think Action Man was like maybe uh, what they did. They did cool. have an African-American adventure who was uh, not, it was actually, like you said, in the mold, was yeah. really there. Okay. All right. So, good. <laughs> um, well, I don't know how much you know about the 1960s, but there was a little military <laughs> conflict called Vietnam. I do know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it really soured people on the military, and the sales yeah. of G.I. Joe were kind of going down. So they kind of rebranded it a little bit, and they ended up taking the idea of Action Man. They gave him a beard, and it became not really a military thing, but like action-adventure stuff. But most importantly, probably one of the most famous things ever, the new and improved G.I. Joe action series or whatever – had a very special feature, and I'm going to play you this bit of a commercial. And here is G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. G.I. Joe has hands that grip. Fingers you hold open and let close. Hands that hold on with a Kung Fu Grip. The grip you help Joe use in self-defense. G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. The hands that grip. Have you ever heard that term Kung Fu Grip? Yeah, I've heard it many, many ways, and it's funny. I was listening to another podcast where they talked about Sublime, the band Sublime, yes. and they have a famous <laughs> lyric that says she had that kung fu grip. So yes, I'm very, very familiar with the term kung fu. Yeah, grip. probably the first time I remember really hearing it is in the movie Trading Places, okay. and Eddie Murphy's talking to the two old white dudes, and he's like, "So and so, his kid, he's going to want uh, his toys for Christmas. He's going to want this. He want the GI Joe with the kung fu grip." So Adventure Team is what they were called. Now, what was also important about the Adventure Team and the Kung Fu Grip, because very action-oriented, for the first time, they actually had somebody to fight. And so yeah. they were called the Intruders. And they were strong men from another world. And there'd be little comics that would come there. It'd be like Atomic Man and Bullet Man. And it was kind of this weird, it was the 70s, weird sci-fi, yeah, yeah. you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug type thing. <laughs> I love the whole idea of like calling them Intruders, though, but... I like the idea of Kung Fu grip is really cool because most toys, I mean, I had, we talked about it a while ago on a podcast about starting lineups and those like, you couldn't do anything with them, no articulation, anything. So the fact that you could actually grip something else with this toy is pretty, pretty ahead of its time for when they, when they inserted that ability into these action figures. One day I'm going to do just because it's a story that is beyond crazy, but do the story of, uh, the original Star Trek toys, action figures. I didn't even know there were toys. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's so like one was just a helmet with a light on it. And it was like the Star Trek helmet. It was nowhere in the show. They just wanted to throw the name on stuff. But around this time, you had a lot of uh, outside of G.I. Joe, a lot of the toys, they were were subpar. They were kind of crappy. They were kind of stupid. Sure. So 
G.I. Joe would do well, but then, I don't know if you've heard about it, in uh, 1977, a little movie called Star Wars came out. <laughs> yeah, you are, my, you are my older brother, so I know of Star Wars. And so Star Wars, along with the movie, George Lucas famously basically gave 20th Century Fox the movie, but he retained all the marketing rights for it. And you had the, and it's another one, another episode we'll do in the future, so I'm not going to go too far into it. But you had act, little action figures, uh, 3.75-inch figures that you could buy. You had Darth Vader. You had Luke Skywalker. You had all these things. It was kind of the one story I'll say is the movie came out, and they said they were going to bring these toys, but they weren't going to be able to um, to have them ready by that following Christmas. So literally, you could go out and buy an empty box that told you which figures were coming, and that's what oh, a lot wow. of kids got for Christmas yeah, <laughs> in 1977. <I'm> sure. <laughs> But it's the Star Wars toys were massive, just had absolutely exploded. The biggest you had a ton of them. Oh hell us. yeah. I mean thank you. You had one that freaked me out when I was a kid. I don't remember which animal it was, but it had those big claws and it was yeah, brown. The and Rancor. Brown, yeah. The Rancor, yeah. That, <laughs> when I was a little kid, that used to freak me out. It was a cool toy though. So Hasbro looked around and saw the success. Kenner is who, Kenner Cincinnati Company, who was making Star Wars. So you had the Star Wars figures and the starting lineup figures both came from Cincinnati. So a little shout out. But Hasbro saw that and decided, you know what? We have this license with G.I. Joe. Let's relaunch it. Let's launch it as the same size as Star Wars figures. And kind of the idea was if all the figures were the same size, you could maybe play with those figures with their toys and all this other stuff. Now, when Hasbro sat down, they came up with this concept, this idea. Star Wars had movies to sell its figures. Every year a Star Wars movie came out, it was the biggest movie of the year. So obviously it would do that. It would uh, be easy to sell toys. G.I. Joe, Hasbro didn't have that. So they came up with this idea that, and I talked about this with Transformers and He-Man, but this was the first people that ever did it, that we were, they were going to do a comic book. They worked with Marvel on doing a comic book, and they were going to do, like, the cartoon came a little bit later, but in order to sell the toys, they wanted to do the comic book. Now, for a variety of weird reasons early on, you could not, you couldn't advertise toys, I think, on, like, kids' television. Yeah, this is early 80s, obviously. Okay. So what they decided to do, what Hasbro decided to do, is they were going to advertise the comic book. And huh. when you advertise a comic book, then the people are like, oh, great, I want to go get that comic, but I can have my own adventures too with these toys. So I'm going to play you the very first commercial, and you're going to hear something really familiar in it that premiered to a young, this would have been 1982. So I'm uh. seven, eight, seven years old, sitting there watching my Scooby-Doo or whatever the hell, and all of a sudden I get to see this. She's been kidnapped by Cobra. We have no alternative. Call in G.I. Joe. fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe Who's leader of the Joe team? Fox. The America's best. He's in control. He's the man. Good luck, Joe. I don't know if you recognize that song. Uh, vaguely. I, the name Cobra, I obviously recognize. Right. So that was the other big thing they did is when they sat down and decided, we're going to make a whole story with this. There's going to be this group of army military guys who fight a, a bad guy, a terrorist organization. They came up with the idea of Cobra. 
the legend is the guy just sketched out the little Cobra logo one day and said, okay, this is it. They decided the comic book they found. uh, A lot of times, if you ever had a comic book based on a toy, you would have to get some BS writer, somebody that had nothing to do. Well, there was this guy who he was on like a few episodes of MASH, this little actor who was, I think he was doing like S.H.I.E.L.D. comics at the time. Nick Fury type stuff. This is when Nick Fury was still a big white dude. They brought in him in, this guy named Larry Hama. And he's a he was a, I think, Vietnam. I want to say he was in Vietnam. But he basically wrote personalities for these characters. And when you went and you bought your G.I. Joes on the back, there were these little file cards that would tell you what their rank was, what branch of the oh. military they in, and it'd be a little story. And so Hama would write these stories on these little cards and then translate it into the comic book. And the first comic book, hold on, I got a, I don't have the original here with me. But, of course uh, not. <laughs> you, have that, you need a comic book guy, that thing, if you have the original. Yes, yes. Most comic books at the time you're getting for like 50, 60 cents. The first G.I. Joe comic was $1.50, 1982. Oh. And it's got this, like people in here can't see it, but this very action-oriented, Oh yeah. you know, all these people There's jumping. like a motorized thing that's shooting a cannon out. Yes, yeah. And all these people, oh, and it says, the ultimate <laughs> weapon of democracy. Introducing America's sensational new special mission force for the 1980s. I mean, this was... I love that the ultimate ultimate American democracy is shooting a cannon out of an armored vehicle. What is happening? That's, that's how they do it. So the comic came out, and right after that, there were, I believe it was like 13 figures that came out. And the for people to know, those of you that know about G.I. Joe, there's a website called Yojo, which is a huge database of all the comics and figures and stuff. But you had, when you look at the original figures, they're all kind of in army green. A couple of them, there's, you know, one guy, Rock and Roll, has uh, bullets across his chest. He's a big heavy machine gunner. But the other big Why thing... Why do you have, like, a Pink Floyd t-shirt on if he's Rock and Roll? Uh, he should. <laughs> but most of them were in all green. There are three major exceptions, though, for the G.I. Joes, for the good guys. One is Scarlet, who was a lady. Uh-huh. So when I was out there buying toys, there's right next to all my my boy toys, all the guys I want and stuff like that. There's this woman. And she was like a karate expert and had a crossbow and all that stuff. But then there was Sergeant Stalker, African-American. Uh, that's a rough name. <laughs> At least he's African-American, but that's a rough name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I will say this is... Uh, Larry Hama really redeems that character um, okay, in the comic book. And but, hey, you're a female and an African-American, yeah. that's great. But the one that, the cheapest one they could make, because they literally did not paint the mold, it was just black, was this guy named Snake Eyes. No, I know that one, too. Yes. So, <laughs> Famously played by <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Which sure no, he played about. Cobra Commander. Oh, uh, okay. The Sorry. guy that played Sorry, Darth, yeah, Joe yeah, that'll say, the guy that played Darth Maul. He played. Oh, uh, he man, played Snake Eyes. Cool. You mean the only good thing from the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you had all your guys in green and all that stuff, but then you had these three other characters that are a little different, and then you would also see these two blue characters, which I, they were protecting themselves from COVID, that had face masks on. Who were I remember those? The Cobras. They were one yeah. was Cobra officer, the other was Cobra soldier. And yeah, so you could those. immediately go out like Star Wars. You could buy your Darth Vader and Luke and have all that stuff. The G.I. Joes also had vehicles like Star Wars did. They had a a big tank. They had a jet pack. And what was important about the vehicles is they would each come with a figure. So you'd buy Uh, the vehicle. And then there's, I'm going to play something later that's interesting about this. But you also, because Star Wars did this, I remember really famously, you could mail in for to get Boba Fett. 
when you bought oh, stars nice. and you would have to you would have to mail in uh proofs of purchase which were these little things on the yeah. packaging little rectangular things yeah and so you could mail in for something called cobra leader which was this guy in kind of a sky blue uniform with a mirrored shield mask now at oh, the time cool. nobody really called him cobra commander he was just enemy leader but he mm. was you could mail away and you could get him Ty, cool. it went gangbusters. It was, of course, it did. I had one of the uh, GI Joes in the green thing. I remember yeah. our, our oldest brother's dog ate its arm off. <laughs> yes, it, <laughs> it was huge. And so you had the figures coming out the same time as the comic books. And what was, you know, comic books are soap operas for for boys for men now, 100%, basically. Hundred percent, yeah. And the comic books have always been a little. They've they pushed. The thing, I mean, the X Men were out at this time, and the X Men's an allegory for you know what? It's okay if people are different, if people are gay, if people are, if they're girls, if they're this, if they're that. Marvel had already done with Iron Man, had already done a whole Tony Stark is an alcoholic storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Arrow, his, his ward, his Robin or whatever, was addicted to heroin. So yeah. people got used to getting these more grown up ideas in comic books. And G.I. Joe wasn't any different. Like I said, Larry Hama wrote this based off of people he knew, people yeah, he knew experience. in Vietnam and what was going on. And there's there's storylines in there, especially about Snake Eyes and Stalker as they served in Vietnam together, where they would come back from the war and people would spit on them and the yeah. uh, the military would forget about them. And, you know, kind of as a by this time I'm reading these comics, I'm like nine or ten. It's like, well, shoot, it's not just the people didn't treat him well, but our own government didn't treat him well. Mm-hmm. And yep. so they had these stories. Now, but for the most part, all these stories are kind of one-off. There's Cobra's got a big evil robot. We got to go beat the evil robot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Till episode 10 or episode 10, till uh, the comic book issue number 10. And at the time, comic books came out about once every month. So you're almost a year into it. It's already become a big success. And what they do is G.I. Joe introduces a concept of a town called Springfield. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> so you go, you even go, and Matt Groening talks about how he chose Springfield because in G.I. Joe, Springfield was just every town. And yeah, that's awesome. what Springfield was, was this town. It wasn't really, you didn't know exactly where it was, but it was just this normal little town that happened to be the base of Cobra, this international terrorist organization. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's uh, every town USA has a terrorist organization running there. <laughs> so they, uh, from there, so you're about one year in, Hasbro, and well, this is where we'll end the first half because I'll get more into the cartoon and the toys themselves, but Hasbro decide okay we're going to do another line of gi joes and now they're not all green there's a lot of different ones first off they introduced the character of doc the gi joe medic african-american they nice. introduced the character of gun ho he's this cajun louisiana dude who's a marine who had who's basically just wears a vest with no shirt under it and has a huge marine tattoo in the middle of his chest <laughs> Nice. You had the characters got a little bit more complex. You had Snow Job and Torpedo. Snow Job was a was a Arctic soldier, and he came with little skis and ski poles. Nice. Uh, torpedo was a Navy SEAL, and he had little flippers and a um, a torpedo gun. And then you had also my one of my personal favorites, Destro, which was just a big dude with a steel face. So awesome. he was obviously the bad guy. They also introduced kind of more intense vehicles. They had. And I think it was an F-14 or F-15, which I had. 
And oh, nice. they made a pilot for it, which they named Ace as a callback to the old G.I. Joe. You had, uh, for you, you had this big, like, tank thing with a bunch of missiles called the Wolverine. And oh, nice. I love the name. <laughs> the person who covered that, who drove that, was a woman named Covergirl. And oh, cool. So they introduced all these things. Plus, at the time, too, they had the figures changed a little bit. When I was talking about Star Wars, Star Wars were very rigid. Their arms and legs moved, but they didn't bend. G.I. Joe, they would bend. They had with this series, they introduced, I'm doing it, I'm showing you, people can't see, but the yeah. arms would swivel. So they would okay. say like swivel action, a little bit more articulation. So they re-released all the first series of figures with this new articulation. Now, if you go look it up and you go and you want to buy an original Cobra Commander, the one you would mail away from, they call it the Mickey Mouse one because his logo looks a little weird like Mickey Mouse. And his arms yeah. don't swivel. If you can find one that's not broken in shape, it's like two thousand dollars. Jeez Louise, that's expensive. <laughs> so, same thing with like snake eyes. But once you get to the figures, have become so big, and since they stopped producing the original ones, that's why they're so expensive. The ones with the swivel arms, you can find them for like a hundred bucks. Well, so you still know, a lot for an action. Figure. It it is a lot, and I will. I am going to very much embarrass and upset my wife when I talk about some of the stuff <laughs> I've done. And it's Ty. This is it. It was it was huge. You had a huge action figure series, a comic book at the time. It was Marvel's number one comic. Where oh wow, you know, know, and that, that includes, like I said, Spider Man. That includes yeah. it. It was Hasbro had hit pay dirt with this. Mm-hmm. And you know how these stories go. When you're at the top, there's only one place to go. (laughs) Keep going higher, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, this is not going to be a tale of just a precipitous fall like I teased at the end of the first half, because there's yeah. still a lot of up to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it does, it, it does kind of end. And, but before it did that, I was never a huge comic book guy. I would read a couple here and there, but this is really the first comic book I remember. I remember, I'm, I remember getting that first issue. I remember buying that thing, and I, I remember even the last issue of that comic I ever bought. It was issue number 55. 
It was called Unmaskings, and on the cover it showed Snake Eyes, Cobra Commander, and Destro taking their masks off. Oh, and it's wow. it, more importantly in the comic book, there is probably one of the most famous comic books ever made is I believe it was issue 21 called Silent Interlude. And what was famous about this comic is it had no words in it whatsoever. It was just pictures on panels. Yeah, just and I mean, but it told this complete story. And it's okay. something that people in comic books have been trying to, even G.I. Joe has tried to do it a few times, have their quote unquote silent issues. And they're all dumb. It doesn't work. This one, though, is like a legendary comic book. And like I said, it was 21. So that early, yeah. early run of G.I. Joe when it was doing really, really well was interesting. But I go back to those commercials, the commercials that were showing the cartoon and had the, you know, he fights for freedom wherever there's trouble. Hasbro went to uh, cartoon company Sunbow and approached them about creating a G.I. Joe like after school cartoon. Something that would be on either in the morning or like four o'clock or something that boys could watch their action figures on this cartoon. In and so, action, yes. literally in action, yeah. So right when G.I. Joe's getting big, right when that second series of uh, figures are really selling well, in 1983, they released this, uh, this five-parter. It showed on Monday through Friday. So I would come home from school, and I'd watch the story on Monday, and it was a continuous story. It was called the, it was the mass device. It was this whole story about Cobra building this teleporter and G.I. Joe chased him around the globe. And when they made the cartoon, this was the important thing, too, is the G.I. Joes had red lasers. The Cobras had blue lasers. If they ever shot anybody, they, you never shot any, and nobody ever got hit. But in the vehicle that got hit, they would jump out before it exploded or they would parachute. Okay. And yep. it was so you go back the Hollywood Reporter a couple of years back, they did an oral history with all the people involved with the cartoon. And that was not because they were trying to protect children or stuff. The cartoon was written by a bunch of like anti-Vietnam War hippies. Nice. And awesome. So they 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 really kind of leaned in to this and it's important they talk about in this uh, Hollywood Reporter article how the GI Joes are a team. They work together mm-hmm. where the Cobras always blame each other. Yep. And so it it did huge business. It did really, really well. They were like, oh, maybe we should do another one. Now, at the same time, you had the next round of figures coming out. And this is, from a personal point of view, this is what I would call like my G.I. Joe. These next yeah. two rounds of series three and four. Because now I don't even know if you have any... Like, you have one character that's all green, but he came with a whole parachute setup that you could throw him in the air and he'd parachute down. Um, That's awesome. It introduced uh, the Cobra bad girl, Baroness, who's in all black leather. So as a as a nine-year-old at the time, I'm kind of like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> you, uh, Hilarious. You, you had Mutton Junkyard, which was the dog handler. You okay. had... Uh, Wait, his name is Mutton Junkyard? And the dog's name's Junkyard, yeah. Oh, okay, all right, Mutt and. I thought you said Mutt. No, but it was important as he came with that dog. You had Roadblock, who was a heavy machine gunner, big, bald, African-American dude. But probably the one that everybody's like, or I say two, that everybody's talking about is you had Storm Shadow and Zartan. Now, Storm Shadow was the all-white Cobra Ninja. Okay. And he came with a bow and arrow and swords. Now, if you can find a Storm Shadow today that is not yellowed like it's white still and his bow's not broken, you can sell it for like $1,500. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, Zartan was the master of disguise. and But his character or the thing he did, 
they I don't know why they did this, but they said he didn't like sunlight. So with the action figure, whenever you're in the sun, it would turn blue. Oh, cool. So you had these other little weird things going on, and then you had another mail away, which was Cobra Commander in a hood, which is kind of the way most people know of Cobra Commander. He looks like a clan leader or something. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. Right. The next year they do another five-part miniseries called The Revenge of Cobra, but they introduce some new characters who in the comics, Larry Hama had to write for these new characters. But if he didn't like them, they'd be in like one issue. And okay. famously around issue 100, the comic ran for 155 issues on Marvel. And then it took like a 15-year break and IDW picked it up and they just ended it with issue 300. But around issue 100, Hasbro told him, you know what? You can do what you want. And he killed a lot of characters. Oh, really? <laughs> and I mean, like, killed them. <laughs> like, really murdered them. But because he wow. just didn't like them. In the series four in 85, you had Shipwreck, who was the sailor, who is my all-time favorite character. The guy on the cartoon played his voice like Jack Nicholson, he said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had a... Uh, Lady J, who was the uh, intelligence officer for G.I. Joe, who this is, if you go listen to Joe Slepsky and I talk about it, there's an episode of the cartoon where she's in a nightgown, which is kind of a Princess Leia in an iron bikini moment for my young male, you know, brain. And gotcha. they, but then they also introduced Flint, who is another G.I. Joe. And in the comic and in the cartoon, Lady J and Flint had a relationship. And okay. it was not, it wasn't hidden or anything it was and this is where i say it kind of affected my mind on because they were on the same team and in the cartoon there's they're on a aircraft carrier and the admiral's like i don't know if a woman should be doing man's work and flint gets all indignant it's like she's not a woman she's my teammate again this is in a cartoon tie <laughs> that's so awesome i love that <laughs> and there's even a whole nother episode where flint thinks she that Lady J likes somebody else and he he's getting all indignant about it and all his teammates are like, dude, relax, just talk to her. And at the end he finds out a misunderstanding and he completely drops it. Oh, great. See? They, I guess they do teach you about <laughs> no, relationships. So, <laughs> so you, you know, the figures are doing well. Oh, also the other thing I want to say is this second version of Snake Eyes. They started to refresh some figures around this time came out. And this uh, Snake Eyes came with a sword. Because in the comic book, Larry Hama said he and Storm Shadow, the Cobra Ninja, were old ninja buddies. So this whole story, he also came, I told you about Mutton Junkyard. The Snake mm -hmm. Eyes also came with Timber, which was a timber wolf, which was his pet. That is right. <laughs> so, I want that. So, I want a timber wolf as my pet. So you have this all black ninja figure with an Uzi and a timber wolf. That's I'm not a fan of guns. So get rid of the Uzi. <laughs> no. That sounds awesome to me. No, so I again, this is why it was so uh, so attractive. Now, mm -hmm. also, and so they've done two mini series, and then in 1985 they do a third one, which just I have. If you go to Seed Saying, I ranked every single GI you, Joe episode you ever. Sure, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> there are 95 of them. I ended yep. up. Uh, this is the the last mini, the not the last one, but the third mini series, of Pyramid of Darkness. Far and away the best. I just I absolutely. First off, Snake Eyes not only is walking around with a timber wolf, but at one point he break dances and then is wearing a dress and dancing, trying to escape Cobra. That's, that's awesome. Which I know today in Florida that would get canceled or whatever. But to uh, me, I'm like, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah, that's some like it hot territory, yes. man. That's awesome. I but love it. They decided in 85 to make it a regular series. Every day after school, I'd come and I'd see a new adventure of G.I. Joe. And like I said, you guys can go read my 
the way I uh, I rank them all. But at the time, when you're doing kids' cartoons, they wanted to make sure that kids are learning a lesson. In He-Man, famously, at the end of every episode, you'd be like, in today's episode, we did this, and this is you know what the lesson it taught you. The weirdest one of all is when He-Man and Shira came on, and they were like, if somebody touches you in a weird way, you need to go tell your parents. Which <laughs> <laughs> At least they're getting the message out there. And Ty, I don't think you fully understood the absolute terror and fear of living as a young child in the as a as a, like a ten year old in the nineteen eighties because every time you turned around, somebody was about to kidnap you. Yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> at the, I remember at, hearing how big of a deal kidnappings were. At the end of each GI Joe episode, they would have a little public service announcement that was written by some child psychologist. Now I'm going to play one for you here, Ty. Okay. Okay. Your mom uh, had an accident. I'll uh, take you to her. Uh-oh. Look, Wild Bill. Who was that? Some stranger. He said Donnie's mom was hurt. I didn't know if I should go with him. Well, just don't do what a stranger says. Check it out with an adult you know. Remember, a stranger can mean danger. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> Hey, stranger danger indeed, and knowing is half the battle. So I've worn it out, but I used to have a shirt that just said, and knowing is half the battle. Uh There's another shirt out there you can get that says, if knowing's half the battle, what's the other half? And it says below it, blue lasers and red lasers. That's pretty good. So uh, these PSAs are legendary especially amongst people my age like even my son i could never get him into gi joe or stuff but i'd showed him not long ago some of these psas and he thinks they're the funniest things ever (laughs) and i want to know wherever gi joe's based wherever their military base is why they live in a town with some of the dumbest kids on the entire planet is because you see like one need to be told by soldiers all the time (laughs) there's like one where there's a down power line these kids are like hey let's jump our bikes on it and then gi joe comes up and like don't do that and they're like roadblock and it's <laughs> or, and then or my personal favorite is with shipwreck because he's not really even teaching a lesson but this kid is like my mom and dad are mean i'm gonna run from home and then you see shipwreck yeah you go do that because you're a little jerk of a kid and the kid's like yeah i shouldn't be a jerk <laughs> that's awesome so, so, I love that he naked him into not running yeah, away from home. Yeah. so yeah as as a child not only am i getting my blue and red laser fights but i'm getting a good lesson at the end uh-huh. of every show and knowing it's half the battle dude <laughs> so here's where it starts to get ridiculous ty if you didn't think it was ridiculous already you have the cartoon going you have the comic book like i said is doing gangbusters things are going really really well and then in 1986 they release a a new a new group of figures some of these figures are uh so there's the battle android trooper which was a cobra they created this called the bat They created this robot that had all these different weapons you could put on its arm, which the whole reason this was invented was because in the cartoon they wanted to actually shoot something, and you can shoot a robot, not a person. So the body count of the bats, but it was a cool little figure. And then you have Dr. Mindbender, the Cobra Interrogator. Now... That's an awesome name. It is a <laughs> great name. He is one of my favorite characters in the cartoon. I adore Dr. Mindbender, but this is what his figure looked like, okay? Mm-hmm. He was a bald, muscular man with a mustache, a monocle, no shirt on, but silver <laughs> suspenders, a black codpiece, and purple pants. 
Oh my god. How much does that go for on resale? Oh, nowadays? most of these you can get these old figures if you can get them in good condition are going to be anywhere from like 75 to 100 bucks. Oh, he okay. also had a black cape and his story is he's a former orthodontist that was experimenting on himself and went crazy. <laughs> hey, you know what? Props to the writers. <laughs> yeah. I could never think of anything like that. But there are two characters in particular that came out with this wave. One was Sergeant Slaughter that I talked about on the wrestling one, mm-hmm. where he uh, was the first real-life human person that had a character. The other was Serpentor, the Cobra Emperor. That's an awesome. These, these names are <laughs> No, they're fantastic. great, great names. But the show has gone into just weird, super weird-ass sci-fi stuff now. Mm-hmm. And the whole story of Serpentor, and I'm going to do it very, very brief, so sorry, nerds, but <laughs> it was Cobra scientists grabbed the DNA of history's worst monsters and created this super soldier to become the emperor of Cobra. Okay. And hold on a second. Oh, you have one of them? So this isn't the original yep. Serpentor, but he has his little, like, snake helmet and yeah. his sword to make him look like some old Roman guy. Yep. But it was in, in the cartoon, like, Larry Hamas famously absolutely hated Serpentor. And he actually is one of the first character he kills. And, uh, like, he, oh, okay. when he gets a chance to kill these characters. But it, it's getting, it's a it's still a popular action figure set, but it's getting away from, I don't want to call it the realism or whatever, but it's, it's, it's going more in a sci-fi direction. You already had yeah. that with Star Wars. And I can tell you personally, this is the time I start to phase out a little bit of G.I. Joe. But something else they did, because I don't know if you know what happened in 1985 or the 1986 Super Bowl. Uh, I was three, four years old. I have no idea. So that's when the Bears won. Oh, the 85 Bears, the Super Bowl shuffle? Yes. Okay, yes. If I had to ask you who's the biggest star that came out of that game, who would you say? The Fridge, dude. So, Even though it should have been Mike Singletary, (laughs) it's the William Refrigerator Perry. After the Super Bowl. Yeah, it should have been. (laughs) It should have been Peyton, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, yeah, Walter Payton, yeah. <laughs> but after the Super Bowl, while I'm watching my G.I. Joe cartoons and reading my G.I. Joe comics, I'm seeing this ad. He's getting mad. He's getting mean. Breaking the line for the G.I. Joe team. That's right. It's William the Refrigerator Perry. The fridge is drawing G.I. Joe. <laughs> and you can get a free fridge. Here's how. Collect five fridge certificates or call the number on the certificate and the fridge will tell you how to get in on the action with only four certificates. There's a $1 handling charge. See details on specially marked G.I. Joe packages. Watch out, Cobra. Fridge is coming through. Yo, Joe! Watch out, Cobra. <laughs> fridge is coming through. So this fridge figure, he's in like army green, but then he's got a tank top that says 72 on it. He has a little gap in his teeth. And... Mm-hmm. His accessory is this big chain with a football attached to the end. Awesome. I want that toy for myself. Now, they also at one time were going to make a Rocky Balboa figure, but something Mm. fell through. Like, there's prototypes out there and stuff like that, but something fell through. should have done a Rambo one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would have made a lot more sense. But around this time, too. They become like a superhero near the end of all this. Yes, yeah. But they had around this time, along with um, the fridge, other characters. They had the Cobra Croc Master, which was a dude who looked like Bane before they ever drew Bane, who had an alligator as his pet. (laughs) Awesome. A pet gator. Yeah. You had Crystal Ball, who was famously a figure made by Stephen King's son who was the Cobra Hypnotist. Mm. You had Raptor, which was the Cobra 
bird handler, which was a dude that wore a big falcon like costume, including <laughs> wings. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Now, also around this time, I've talked about when I talked about Transformers, Transformers movie, where mm-hmm. 20 minutes in, they kill all your favorite characters. Yeah, that's what you said. Now, Sunbow also made the Transformers show, and a lot of the voice actors on G.I. Joe were also voice actors on Transformers. The guy that did Cobra Commander, he also did um, did a Starscream, and so a lot of these same people. You had the same writers, same group and stuff, essentially writing G.I. Joe, and you have all these new toys. Now, Serpentor has been introduced in the in the comic book, but they, they want to move toys, so it's like, okay, we got to get rid of some characters. And let me just put it this way, Ty, the 1980s is a very weird time. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not only do you get Orson Welles in the Transformers movie, you get Burgess mm-hmm. Meredith. In the G.I. Oh, Joe wow. movie. <laughs> you guys uh, used to make me do an impression of him when I was yeah. a kid. <laughs> yep. and then Speaking you, of Rocky. Yes. <laughs> and then you also, uh, let's see, Don Johnson did a voice in the G.I. Joe movie. Um, they had a character which they never made named Big Lob, who was like a basketball player. Oh, that would be great. They never made the action figure. I, and look, I can already hear the people typing that they actually did for a convention in 2007. I'm talking about my G.I. Joe time people, okay? Exactly, yeah. But the, So the movie is being made the same time as the Transformers movie. The Transformers movie comes out in the theater, and a bunch of kids my age are like, why in the holy hell did you just kill Optimus Prime? And the movie didn't do that well in the theater. So Marvel and Sunbow, they just decided to release the G.I. Joe movie direct-to-video. And it's not 20 minutes in, it's near late in the movie, but one of the main G.I. Joes is a guy named Duke. Okay, he's kind of okay. the de facto leader of the team on the cartoon. They introduced Don Johnson's character, supposed to be like Duke's half-brother, and he's kind of a screw-up. And Serpentor, he goes to attack uh, Lieutenant Falcon's name, and he takes this snake off of his shoulder and turns it into a spear and throws, and Duke jumps in front and it, like hits him right in the heart. And oh. you watch this scene, and it's like, Brutal. okay, Duke's died. And you see, like, Scarlet's there all sad, and Lieutenant Falcon and Doc's holding them, and he's, like, Duke's just dying. He's like, you know, get get them for me, kid. Yo, Joe. And then he's dead. Except (laughs) after the Transformers movie, and if you watch this, because you got to watch it to see it. That's why I'm not going to play the clip. You see Scarlet sitting there crying, and then you hear Doc, like, the, the screen actually stops, and you hear Doc off screen go, or no, you, I'm sorry, you hear Scarlet. You don't see her lips move or anything say, he went into a coma. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, because they redid it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. And then at the very end of the movie, they survive, they win, they do all this stuff, because I am going to play this. They're all dancing, they're all doing good, and then out of nowhere, while they're all excited, you hear this. General Hawk, do you read me? This is Doc at headquarters. Great news. Duke's come out of his coma. Looks like we made it. To not traumatize people, they decided that, no, look, Duke didn't really die, even though he just took a snake directly to the heart. Again, not like a spear, like a full snake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing went in there? Yeah. That's nuts. This is, uh, by this time, Ty, the comic book is getting weird and ridiculous. A not well-known comic book artist at the time was starting to work on it named Todd McFarlane. So they would get this top talent, but it was getting, the 1990s were coming. And even to the point of when the G.I. Joe cartoon ended after the movie, it got picked up by this Canadian outfit, unfortunately named Dick, D.I.C. It's just, and those those D.I.C. versions of G.I. Joe... Look, if people like them, they like them. They're awful. They're unwatchable. 
And I, yeah. even for big fans like me, I mean, you think this, it's like watching the Star Wars prequels if they were done with more racism. And, oh, and I'm not even saying they're <laughs> racist. It's just they're bad. They're just yeah. bad. And then in the, they wanted to keep the license going. And so in the mid 90s, they came out with G.I. Joe Extreme, mm. which is surprisingly not terrible I'm from a fan's uh, point of view. But just, just like Homer says with the XFL, the X stands for Extreme. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, it, but it didn't, it didn't really do well because you got to remember people like me, I grew up with G.I. Joe. By the yeah. time they're coming out with G.I. Joe Extreme, I'm I'm in my twenties. I'm in college. Yeah. Or it's it's not it, it looks more ridiculous to me. They tried to kind of kid it down for a little while. I think it was called like Spy Series. And uh right around when Netflix started to to do streaming, there used to be this cartoon channel called Hub. And they yeah. produced this season of something called G.I. Joe Renegades, which was kind of like a prequel to the to the cartoon. And it's for G.I. Joe fans, everybody I know, we love it. It's great. It imagines Cobra as some big pharmaceutical company that you don't huh, realize cool. is all bad till the end. Each episode like kind of introduces these characters. It's true to the old spirit, and it's made in mind for people my age. It didn't do well. It got canceled. They made the movies. We talked about the Joseph Gordon-Levitt and... You know, they were, I, I don't hate those G.I. Joe live action movies. I mean, look, I'm going to tell you right now, Ty, the second one, Retaliation, the one with Rock in it, Uh huh. the RZA plays a blind ninja master in that movie. That might be enough for me to watch because, <laughs> so, man, do I love Wu-Tang and do I love the RZA. Oh, it's, so. <laughs> and there's a lot of G.I. Joe fans my age that don't like that movie. I actually will defend that movie. I mean, okay. not just, you know, obviously I'm going to love anything with Riz as a ninja, but uh, yeah. there's a whole, one of the best action sequences, and I'm not kidding when I say this, this whole fight on the side of a mountain between all these ninjas, it's still, it's not, for people like me, it's not the G.I. Joe I remembered and loved. Sure. They came out with that Snake Eyes movie during the pandemic, which I've made clear yeah. many times, that they haven't been able to figure it out, except in one space, and that's with the toys. Okay. So... About, I want to say it was right before the pandemic. They decided to come out with Hasbro. Hasbro has these really nice Star Wars figures. And mm-hmm. they decided to come out with a line of six-inch G.I. Joe figures called Classify. And the first ones were Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Duke, Storm Shadow, Cobra Commander, Destro, the, the classic ones. And they're, they're updated to a point, but they still, they got a lot of good articulation, good weapons, all these other things. Ty, they're 20 to 25 bucks a pop. <laughs> so they're not for kids and no. um that was i'm gonna they're made give, for you yes right that's a yeah. slepsky said on one of his podcasts that if you're a gi joe fan and you have a job right now is a good time for you because there's these toys the croc master i got this croc master which again looks great because you have this huge crocodile with it and these are i keep on my mm-hmm. desk my office desk because my wife doesn't want uh, you know, people to come to our home and see a grown-ass man with a bunch of toys. So I have all my Michigan memorabilia <laughs> in the lower level of my house. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so they have these really, really nice toys. They've tried to branch out into kind of other things. Like I said, the comic, the Larry Hama comic run just ended with 300. But it's this is a toy line where, yeah, Transformers, like your kid probably plays with Transformers or dead. He's, he had some, yeah. Yeah. But he probably never had G.I. Joe. Not a single one. Yeah, Star Wars. Probably played with Star Wars still. Oh, yeah. Still got a lot of the toys. This is just one of those weird 
like again at a time period is number one best-selling toy it was the number one comic that marvel had going it was doing great ratings on this cartoon you were getting the likeness of william the refrigerator perry but it just had this moment in time that no matter what they tried to do their fan base is aging and i know because i'm one one of them (laughs) no it reminds me a lot of when we talked about american gladiators and how it's like oh i wish they'd come back but Part of me doesn't because I like the nostalgia of like what I saw as a kid. Yeah. I go back to why I personally loved this so much as a kid. It was close enough to Star Wars, but different to have its own thing. But it wasn't just that the toys were very... I mean, the G.I. Joes of the time were better than Star Wars figures of the time. They just mm. were. They have... I mean, you want to go talk about unique like items each character had. The, no two characters had like the same gun. Had the yeah. same. Uh, I was talking about with Slepsky about how uh, the first run of those uh, GI Joe three and three quarters inch figures, the only woman that actually had a gun gun was the Baroness. But the rest of them, like as a Scarlet, had a crossbow. Had this. The cartoon was telling these weird adult like stories with stupid action here or there. Yeah, I had this constant. It was maybe this constant feed of stories you know, we talk about today. I mean, right now. The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch are both on Disney Plus premiering new episodes. Right now in the Star Wars world, we can get this constant stuff. We didn't back then. Yeah. But with G.I. Joe, we did. And so it, it kept it kept me fed. I just think as they continued to try to evolve to be, I don't know, edgy or to be for kids or to be for this, they just lost something along the way. Until now, I mean... If they would do a live-action version of the old G.I. Joe cartoon, I'd watch it, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm sure you would. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is like American Gladiators for you, where it's just best left to have that moment in time that you had with it. Yeah. So, Ty, that's it. That's the story of G.I. Joe. Now I know. And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I'm glad you got it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to explain to you and everybody out there what... uh, outside of being a a non-masculine man (laughs) no and it sounds cool and like i said like the stuff they did sounds ahead of its time and that's that's pretty awesome that they did stuff like that back in the 80s you didn't see many toy companies doing the things they they did that you told me about today you're not going to ever see a cartoon ninja in a dress break dancing and smacking cobras around but i did when i was nine years old yeah (laughs) (laughs) it had an effect on it stuck in your memory Yeah, yeah man that's awesome all right, Ty. So if they're going to make a Charles Woodson G.I. Joe figure and you need to go order it, where are, you, where are they going to oh find God. you? I, I would be the first person <laughs> to buy that if it came out. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com, sports, pop culture, music, movie reviews, all that good stuff. I plan on writing about how thrilled I am that De La Soul is finally back. De La Soul is finally on streaming services now, so I've been listening to a lot of that. Again, that's Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on a few episodes of the podcast, Chucklehead Chat, hosted by my buddy Glenn. Get that wherever you get podcasts. Most importantly, though, listen to me on this podcast. The Ex-Millennial Man, rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out our Patreon, and as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that. And before people say, I know I skipped a lot of the figures. Again, I was talking about most of my things. I know I skipped Battle Force 2000 and Ice Cream Soldier and Robo Joe. Look, those, I mean, I know they have their fans and 
God's bless you guys, but man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get more hate from people about that than last week's episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I know because I've gone around, like I said, I have a, a more modern Suprentor. Because if I go want to buy the original one, hey, already, I don't want to have to look my wife in the eye and say, yeah, I spent $20 on a toy. Yeah. You have a kid also that's <laughs> going to be going to college yeah, in you know, so. a, a decade. So. But I do... I said this on uh, Slepsky's pod, on Joe on Joe, and I'm going to say it here, too. I'm a big physical media guy. I like having physical media. And I've gone to a lot of – anytime I'm out, I'll go to a comic shop and just look through their G.I. Joe comics. And yeah. it's nice that uh, people like Joe Slepsky, there's other people like G.I. Joe Berg and stuff like that 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 keep dudes like me involved with it. It's uh, I just – Who's ever running those properties needs to put those guys in charge of it and not keep Absolutely. trying to do whatever they're doing. But yeah. So Definitely. with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And uh, enjoy your weekend tie, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.